Welcome to the mother of all sports shows, Two Men on the Run. And today we've got us one hell of a special guest for you. Marathon, British Marathon champion of 2020, uh, 2.10.03 PB in the marathon. PBs across the range that just sort of blow your mind really. Um, a mile PB of 3.58.76. Indoor British champion over 3,000 metres with a PB of 7.46.7. 5,000 metre track PB of 13.31.21 and a 10,000 metre and again British champion in 28.42.2 and a half marathon of 62.23. Welcome to the show, Johnny Meller. Welcome Mr. Johnny Meller. Welcome sir. Thank you very much for having me on. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's great to have you. We've got so many questions. We've been, we've got people there from far, far afield writing in to ask some very uh, thought-provoking questions here. We've got, uh, but we're, we're going to start more recently, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, I think we've I think agreed. We're, we're going to jump in of this year because it's been such a, an interesting year for yourself and and for the world. Um, so we thought we'll start off with with this year. Obviously, all the way back now in February, which feels like a, a million years ago, really. Um, you went over to Seville, did the Seville Marathon, ran the Olympic qualifying standard, had an absolutely fantastic run with that two ten oh three. Um, talk us through that sort of run and, and you know how was that experience being out in Seville I mean first of all Seville first time visiting the city it was fantastic um, highly recommend it as a little visit the marathon was great uh, we chose Seville for a number of reasons uh, the weather at that time of year is obviously really good we've seen people run faster in the past um, in terms of course profiles it doesn't get much flatter than Seville uh, nice easy travel and um, along with a couple of friends we put together you know a really good field of I guess guys going for that Olympic standard so normally Seville you have a few Africans and you know guys off running the 205 206 that kind of you know sort of pace but this year they actually built a field around that 2130 mark as well so it ticked a number of boxes for us and yeah you know it was a if we know what was coming obviously I wish we knew um, but it was obviously a decision well made in the end Are you running with the New Balance team? How many people are involved in this team? Um, and if you can also add to the, perhaps the history of the brand, I believe New Balance was a British brand. I think it's now American now, and I don't know if you can qualify that, quest, that question. Um, yeah, so in the sorry. team, uh, there's seven athletes, um, real mix of kind of nations in there as well. We have uh, myself, Ross Mountain, who's a local Stockport lad, um, Adam Craig from Scotland, Jonas Ray from Switzerland, um, and then the girls we have Anna Sylvander from Sweden, Kieran McGee from Ireland, and Jutt Vastenberg from Holland. So a real mix in there. Yeah. You know, Steve obviously coaches Andy Davies and Charlie Dawson from Wales as well, so they pop over every now and again for training. So, you know, S- Steve Vernon himself, I believe yeah. he was a uh, uh, he won the Northern Cross five times. Is that right? Cross. I should know this. Cause I think, he's no, told I, I got that. So I got times. that from Robbie Wood the other day. Yeah. Five times he yeah. won the Northern Cross Country Championships. I should know it. He's always going on about his national medals as well. How old, how old would know. Steve Vernon be? He's forty. Forty years of age. Yeah, but he's still going very well. You know, he's still very fit. He runs most days. So right. Yeah. yeah. Real inspiration for me, obviously. And he gets involved in your training. He's physically there, running alongside you. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. He's not running. He's on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, as part of that team, obviously all the all the men have had, um, apart from um, uh, Andy, um, Adam Craig, sorry, yeah. um, has had a GB best, obviously he should have done this year, but well, he, he just won the championships. Oh, yeah, last yeah, month, yeah, sorry, yeah, he so did, yeah, that's yeah, uh, true. Um, um, I mean, as training groups go at the moment, the four of us kind of, we're working, we're doing the same sort of set training at the moment, in the lead up to Christmas before we obviously, some will go indoors, some maybe go on the roads and do the marathon, um, and as training groups go, it doesn't get better than that. You know, we've got a thirteen twenty guy in Jonas, you know, up to a two ten guy. You know, so it's yeah. it's we really complement each other well. We work well together. We don't race each other in training. We're smart and sensible, and it's you know, it's a privilege to be involved in such a good training group. And you know, especially backed by someone like New Balance. And when you say it's backed, there's a there's a house there, I believe, which yep. stations the seven athletes. Well, not yourself. You you've, yeah. you're living from home. Six of them stationed in this. Uh, no, this... so um, myself and Ross. Myself, Ross and Kira, we live out of the house and then the other guys live in the house. Um, so I lived in the house up until 2017, which was great um, when I first moved over here. You know, it's, you know, it's really good in the house, enjoyed it. Um, I live a mile away from the house now, so 
yeah, it's good to have that base, I think, for the team as well. And, you know, each oh. other bring each other on. And what do they fund, New Balance, they pay for, they support you with? I don't know. Physio, coaching, do they, how much support do you get from New Balance? Yeah, you know, the New Balance invested heavily in the team, you know, to get people to the Olympics and, you know, win medals, I guess, you know, like Akira on the world stage. So it's, it's a big investment for New Balance in terms of the physio support. You know, we have gym access, we have a nutritional partner and things like that. So the team, you know, Steve, um, Vernon, Pete Riley, done a really good job in getting the team together and you know I guess leaving no, st- no stone unturned really yeah and, and I suppose getting back to, to this year obviously following from Seville we then obviously hit uh, in March uh, lockdown and um, obviously first London was cancelled and that was early early sort of doors and then obviously we heard the, the Olympics yeah. were gone and obviously in your head obviously you weren't you're still not currently selected but yeah. the times there obviously we'll get on to how you run again the Olympic qualifying standard again yeah. uh, later this year but um, how did sort of I suppose training in that, that first lockdown it was, it was a very tight really strict much stricter than even the, the, the one we've just come out of um, with the group in mind and stuff because yeah. obviously you couldn't mix and things like that and obviously you couldn't train with, with anyone for a period of time and then obviously only one person And yeah so it was, it was tough um, you know I mean obviously everyone knows long distance runner you know the loneliness of long distance runner so it's not I don't mind necessarily going out for a run on my own and stuff like that. And obviously the guys in the house, they could still train together. Um, so it was all right for them. But it was the other side of it. Um, I got a calf injury, which normally I'd get on top of with the physio. Can't see the physios, you know, so that lingered a lot longer than it needed to. Um, so doing stuff on your own, it's it's not easy, but I don't mind it equally as well. Um, but it was the other side of it, the physio, just the banter with the lads and stuff yeah. like that I miss most. And did, did you guys get into, um, I'm sure you've heard on the grapevine of uh, the, the, my... Uh, virtual racing uh, inquiry uh, but uh, did, did you did you get involved in any of the virtual stuff you know or did, no, did you all um, stick out of it and be sensible as well? um, Adam and Yip had a nice head to head on the Middlewood Way uh, which is an old disused railway line close to us um, so that Yip it was a handicap race Yip put a head start on Adam so that was that was about what we did really I think just because I had the calf injury so I didn't want to hit anything too hard anyway and then it was all about getting ready for London so it was kind of didn't really have a chance to do it and I wouldn't have been against doing it either because um, we were actually thinking about doing it this month I think when we were looking at doing Middle Valley because I needed something as a yeah. bit of a, to work the legs blow, blow the cobwebs away after London so we were going to do something if we couldn't find a race but it, it just didn't fit for me really but it's not to say I'm not against the virtual race especially on a course like you ran on anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Going back to the, the preparation um, it was generally I read the 16 weeks it would take you to prepare yeah. and, and you lost approximately four weeks and yet you ran a really successful race. So this, this, look, was, this was in regards to London. Look, in regards to now, London, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, looking back on that now, would you say, well, hang on a minute, scratch your head and say, well, maybe I don't need as much preparation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, possibly. I think obviously 16 is your absolute ideal scenario. You can maybe throw in a half marathon there, things like that along the way. Um, it's not to say it can't be done in less time. You know, I think I was because London had that slightly smaller window this year, um, and everyone's different. But I guess now, I mean, I've done nine marathons now, so that background is in there. So maybe in that respect, you don't need quite as long. Yeah. You know, you've got the conditioning from doing the long runs and things like that. So yeah, uh, sixteen is ideal scenario, but I think you can 12, 12 weeks is okay as well. Yeah, and and I think so. Obviously, with London in mind, that build up obviously being cut short there. Um, I suppose it was, you know, going into it, obviously there was a lot of talk of, one, it was going to go, it would obviously be moved back to October, then it was cut down to the elite race. Obviously, I presume there was some concerns whether there was going to be an elite race a little bit going into that, and obviously building up that, that marathon block in there and, and things like that with, with still that uncertainty. But then also the uncertainty of what races are you going to put in there just to get yourself warmed up and ready and things like that. How did you find, find that, really? Yeah, it was different, different to normal. Um... I wouldn't say it was a negative in any way. It was, I think it was more challenging for Steve as a coach. You know, he's had a hell of a year trying to plan everything, rearrange things. Um, but because it was a slightly small window, that then meant there was less opportunity to race anyway. So that took away the racing side of it. So there was no, we didn't need to go and do a race, didn't need to go over to do Antrim or something like that, perhaps. Um, we managed to get a block of altitude training, which was great. Um, and we used Cheshire Half Marathon as kind of a marathon simulation run where we ran basically marathon pace for half marathon. So in that respect, I don't think it was much different really to normal. Um, and I say, you know, hats off to Steve who managed to get it all in there for us. 
I like, I like to ask a question. I read the article, um, the Running Burr article, which I thought was very, very detailed, a great article I enjoyed. Um, it mentions um, two gym sessions a week. Uh, I think this is, uh, it changes. Um, and then there's a court, one core workout. That's three additional sessions. I'm not sure if that, that continues all the way through. I don't think it does. Could you tell me, about those gym sessions, what's it, what what exactly are you doing in those sessions, and the core workout? Perhaps if you could detail that as well. Um, core work is basically sat there. I'm doing a plank on my phone or something like that. To be honest, right. for, how, for how long? For how no, long? no, no. It's um, core work is mostly like activation, a little bit of core. It's not. I do that on a Monday day for a session. It's nothing major at all. We're talking, okay. you know, very and like my gym, very very functional now. I think I've got to the age where. It's all about injury prevention for me and maintenance, you know, rather than going for any like muscle gains or anything like that. It's all about rehab and preventing injuries and maybe working on weaknesses that I've developed in my career, that kind of side. So in terms of detail, it's very, you know, very, very simple, very functional squats, lunges, um, step ups, things like that. It's with, not, with no weight, not using any uh, weight. Well, my squat is a 20k kettlebell. You know, so oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, so you're using the weight there. Yeah, but I mean, when I was younger, I'd maybe do um, squats, you know, using a bar, but I just don't have the flexibility in my back to do that anymore. Right, okay, so you got the tw- two, uh, 20, 10k on each, on each uh, side? No, like a goblet squat. Oh, yeah, and, and, and you hold it there, and yeah, yeah I, see, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, and then, <clears throat> and then I suppose... Um, with London, you was quite a weird setup with that sort of bubble that you had to go into beforehand and things like that. Um, can you sort of talk us through that? And then obviously the race itself, you're British champion, um, you know, and the marathon, fantastic achievement. Again, Olympic qualifying standard there, with two ten thirty eight, um, and it was it was fantastic. Me and me and John Joe actually sat down and watched that together before recording the show on it. Um, so we, we really enjoyed that. I think it was John Joe's first experience of ever watching a marathon on the TV, actually. Uh, yeah, first time he's, ever, well, he's, yeah. he's only just on the TV, you see. So, um, but, um, you know, that was, it was fantastic. And obviously we watched the race and we saw, I suppose, to, it was a bit where it looked like Ben Connor was, was coming away from, from you. And, and, yeah. and then obviously you came through and, and, and passed him and then obviously went on to, to take that British title. Uh, yeah, can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, like London, I mean, getting an event on of that sort of level, in the middle of a pandemic is incredible you know the, the logistics and organization that went into it was you know amazing so first of all you know again privileged to be on the start line grateful at london marathon putting events on um and just you know like when we, we had to get a covid test earlier in the week so obviously passed that to go in we had to drive down and normally you get public you know the train or something like that once you get there covid test um and then another covid test again before the race so all that kind of stuff, socially distanced at meal times. We had beep technology. So basically we had this annoying thing around our necks that if you went too close to someone, it started beeping and things like that. So Did, did you steal yours? Because I heard um, them talking to uh, Sarah Hall on a podcast and, and she, she had two and she's really regretted that she didn't steal hers with her. No, no, no. they threatened us with a £300 fine if they didn't get back, so I went straight back. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was, do you know what? It was good fun. And looking back now I, I really enjoyed the week to be fair you know because it was a novelty it was something different yeah. um, we had our own portaloos on the start line which is never a bad thing yeah. um, <laughs> you know just before a marathon that's great so but in terms of the, the race itself I quite enjoyed the monotony of the laps uh, I know it's not for everyone but it, it just allowed me to kind of get into a rhythm switch off um, and then you had to take your drink every other lap so that was give you something to think about um, and you know we made that decision fairly early on that it was more about winning the race the British Championship than necessarily times because the conditions weren't ideal um, I was fortunate obviously that I already had my Olympic time um, so I just wanted to go to that race and try and win it um, and you know while you obviously mentioned with Ben like, pulling away from it at one point and things like that I think anyone who's run a marathon before will know you go through bad patches you go through good patches and sometimes it's about getting through those bad patches to come through to the other side and you know, I did on that day, so yeah, I was really pleased to win well, my first pa- British title. Patience is yeah. yeah, and I think that's it. You obviously your experienced runner on the marathon. You yeah. probably, I suppose, at that time when Ben was pulling away, you probably thought, well, this is you know that's fine. It's not yeah. to yeah. panic. Not to panic. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I, I really do want to go back to those gym sessions again. <laughs> um, how long are those gym sessions? 
So during you have to buy a plan for all this. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, you, you <laughs> before, <laughs> before the first lockdown, I'm um, sorry. Before the second lockdown, I got down to a tea in 45 minutes. Cause right, that's okay. all we had in the gym. Interesting, interesting. Um, but normally about an hour. An hour, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so two of those a week, um, but that's not all the way through the the sixteen week. That when does that? Did you drop that at some point? Yeah, so mm. I'll drop down to maybe one gym session a week and one core session a week, and it's based. What halfway through or? No, it's more. I don't know, maybe six weeks to go. It's when when yeah, you start yeah. to get tired. And then you you maintain the one session a week. Yeah, what yeah. right before the, even the two week period? You drop it completely then? No, 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 do it all the way through. Week, the week before the race, mm. that's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm interesting. Not heavy. It's more about activation and maintenance. So. Lunges and, and, and yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Mm. So obviously following London, again secured that second Olympic qualifying standard, you know, it would be, it would it would have been a no-brainer for to say at that point, you know, selected on the team in Tokyo next year, that, that's it. But obviously they've now announced a trials race in, in March um, I heard on the grapevine that obviously they sat down and consulted with you, yourself and, and Steve and things and I know there was a bit of from yourself and other athletes that were consulted and coaches that the course that was picked potentially isn't it's quite tight turns and things that's Kew Gardens course yeah. um, you know, how, how do you feel I'm, I'm presuming you, you're going to go and race that one how, how you feel about having to do that again and, and I suppose for yourself really all you've got to do is go and put yourself in the position and yeah. um, you've got the times there you don't need to worry too much on that side I suppose but yeah what's your, your thoughts going into this this race in March yeah I mean obviously ideal scenario is I wouldn't have to run again in March you know um, I wouldn't I think in terms of preparation for the Olympic Games the longer window maybe going with a half marathon would be better um, but it is what it is it's got to be fair to everyone the selection criteria it wasn't selection in London um, we knew that going into London we won, you know, perhaps if winning the British title or British Championship, proving that you can win a domestic race and another qualifying time may potentially help selectors, but it wasn't to be, and that's for Ants. You know, like I say, it's got to be fair to everyone. We, we go to Kew Gardens now, and I know now if I finish in the top two, I'll be qualified for the Olympics automatically. Yeah. So the course is the course, it is what it is. We're lucky that we've got a race to run, yeah. um, and we're lucky, you know, that Olympic Games is going ahead at the moment. So I think for me, it's just like we prepare to run, you know, a marathon in, in March in Kew Gardens, and the course is the course. It's the same for everybody, really. Yeah. I, I, had you thought about potentially risking it and doing maybe a, a sort of a Steve Jones sort of job on it, and go, well, I've got the time. Someone else is going to have to come out. There's only yourself, Mo, who said he's not doing it. Yeah. Um, Callum, who's already pre-selected, yeah. and obviously Ben, that's run the, the standard. Um, if you thought, you know what, let's let's do that, let's take a bigger rest, let's maybe throw a half in there just to show my fitness and stuff, and let's not do another marathon and, and, and yeah, you know, we did. risk that sort of Yeah, we thought about it and we discussed it. Um, but, you know, Steve said to me, do you want to run the Olympics? And I was like, well, yeah, that's that's my, my main goal, my biggest aim in the sport. He said, well, you can't afford to miss the trial just in mm. case, because there's too many good runners out there yeah. that can run the qualifying time, and all it would take is two runners to run 2.11.29. Yeah. And I am not going to Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just the fact that you ran two ten or three is irrelevant. It's, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a, for me, knowing how good the competition is, it's a big risk to yeah. do that. And I, I suppose Steve Jones was a perfect example to use there because that was that's what he did, and he didn't didn't go there. Yeah, um, I, I, could go, I could so. go to another marathon, you know, potentially Sweden. Even if I ran around two nine two eight, still if two runners ran two eleven twenty nine in London, it wouldn't mean anything. You know, yeah. I'd have a nice PB, but. You know, it's irrelevant. I was just seeing if I could get some yeah. dropouts so I could make that, that field. I'm on the waiting list. Um, I'll let you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Really so, interesting. You, you're focusing on the process mm-hmm. and not the the outcome because I read, you know, again, doing some research that there was a point in your life there where you suffered with some anxiety during race, maybe within the race itself. And um, you overcame that by reading what sports self-help books um, if you could perhaps recommend one one of those for the listeners or a couple of them perhaps and um, yeah, if you could speak I think about. like for me The Pressure Principle is a really good book um, Peak Performance there's been a few that I've read um, over the years and I think you know that following the process is the main one especially as a marathon runner you know you've got so much to think about you're out there for so long you're breaking the marathon down into segments it was a big kind of help for me, a big turning point. Um, so you, when you say you're focusing on the process, you're taking each step at a time in, in a way, sort of 
on a daily way, basis yeah. you focused on that training session oh sorry yeah in the build up yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then sorry please continue no yeah so like obviously during the training you're taking these sessions and comes and then on race day you know I'm breaking it down you know to 10k at a time and then so you mean yeah whereas when you did suffer with the anxiety you, where were you going wrong though you were focusing on the, the, outcome, on the outcome on yeah, the finishing the line yeah, yeah and yeah, the worry and concern you're thinking about the outcome already before you've even got there yeah it's interesting that so on, on the race day, you're just trying to be in the moment more or less and, and be there in that sort of, yeah, and, and yeah, and not going too far ahead and think, oh God, no, if I don't get there in this time, I'm not going to get to there. Yeah. You're, yeah. Mm. And the book you recommend again, sorry, I'm going to write this down. Uh, Pressure Principle. Pressure That's Principle by who, sorry? I think Steve Aldridge. The Pressure, pressure you can, Principle. You can, you can bill him at the end, Johnny. <laughs> There we are for the listeners. <laughs> the Pressure Principle by Steve Aldred. Aldred. Okay. Well, we'll find that. I'm sure when we. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I suppose so. Now we've talked about this year a little bit. Let, let's jump back to sort of the the early career. I so want to go right back. Right back. Right back to the Wirral. Yeah, yeah. The Wirral Peninsula. Yeah. Three hundred and twenty something thousand population. Paradise Peninsula. Very small, and you got some star. You got Paul O'Grady, Lily Savage. <laughs> yes. Irish sort of ancestry. And with Daniel Craig. Daniel like Craig, yeah. yeah. You got Icom. Icom doesn't have a TV. Yeah. He's just, Andy Badley. Yeah, Andy. Andy. How do you pronounce his name? Badley. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, Icom Billy. Yeah, yeah. You got um, Chris Boardman. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, OMD. OMD. A band or something. Band right. from the world. Yeah, yeah. Orchestra. There's something yeah. dark. Uh, the cor- cor- the coral. Coral. Yeah. yeah. The Boo Radleys. Yeah, I'm not a big music man, so yeah, but... And Johnny Miller! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Steve something. Uh, Cummings, the cyclist. Yeah. Steve Cummings, the cyclist. That's the one, yeah, 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 yeah. So such a small area. Yeah, yeah. 12 miles by 7, something like that. 12 by, what is it? Yeah, I guess the... It's very small. used to do a walk as a kid, and it was a 15-mile um, walk around the world, so yeah, I guess... Now, the big question is, uh, you sport Liverpool, yes. but why not Tranmere Rovers? Well, I mean... <laughs> Do you know what? Someone asked me that yesterday, and um, <laughs> I was like, I went as a kid because it was three pounds to go and watch them. But and John Aldridge was in charge. Yes, yeah, yeah. super white army. Um, I think even maybe when John John King was the manager as well. So old I am now. Yeah. But yeah, for me, uh, my dad is a Liverpool fan. My mum's an Everton fan, but trying to stay really excited. But I did go to Wembley to watch. Now the we, we we get woolly back. You know, I get the Irish yeah. thing. We know the Irish connection. Matthew would be a, a woolly back no, slash pie you know. But you know, in very you're perhaps closer. But on the Wirral, how do you sort of see yourself? You're not scousers, but you're sort of like I don't know what plastic was. scousers, I guess. Is that? I think we're classed as walls as well. You know, really? Yeah, plastic scousers. But my wife's from Liverpool, so. Although, by the way, for the listeners, especially in India, a woolly back is <laughs> technically actually a, a scouser, someone who has a sheepskin. On the dockers, one of the dockers, and he's carrying a sheepskin, and he's leading the sheep onto the the ship. Uh, they were actually scousers, just for the record. <laughs> there's, a, there's a history lesson for today. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's interesting how people viewed it. I mean, it doesn't matter to me, but it's sort of like you know. But yeah. Obviously, yeah. we mentioned uh, Sophie there. Yeah. Uh, she got married 2019, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, uh, I, uh, John Joe's got a, a beef there with, with Sophie because he, he he writes ever so I've often. I've got no the, beef the, with the, Sophie. The, uh, what are you talking the, about? Saint Helen's Star newspaper, and obviously sends right. it into the Echo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously Sophie yeah, yeah. Uh, does my, the athlete stole, bit, she, for the stole my uh, my uh, poetry. Probably writes it an awful lot better. Yeah, she stole my poetry, but it's okay. I forget. I forgive her now. You're my inspiration now, sir. <laughs> You're you. 34 years of age on the 27th of December. Yeah, yeah. I am 34 this time next year. I'm just a baby in comparison to you. Yeah, yeah but no, the, the amazing <laughs> thing is, I mean, you know, throughout your career, you're now 34, you know. Some people will say, you, you, you know. You, 33. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, you're the old man in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you're the best. You're the best at what you do, you know. Do you know who today, earlier today, there's a Spanish guy, uh, Lander Sam, and he just, he's 39, he's just on a Spanish record, 206 for Markman. So oh. Just shows age is just a number. But from someone like myself, you know, I think you've got to have, first of all, you've got to have the belief that you can do it, which yeah. I certainly wouldn't have that belief. You've got to have the belief that you can do it. But also, I think, I don't know about this though, um, you've been steeped in sport throughout your life. Mm-hmm. I came to running quite late. The swimming, that's, that's yeah. interesting. You were doing club sessions 
Do you yeah. think that was that is in that question regarding swimming integral to your development? Would you say yeah, or one hundred percent? You know, because really, you're getting that aerobic conditioning, that base without the impact on your body. You know, so I didn't take running seriously until my late teens almost, and you know, I was swimming, I was playing football, and I think without a doubt, the swimming sessions that I used to do, you know, three four times a week, played a big part. In and, and yet, did you knock them on the head? Um, you still anymore? swim? No, no, don't anymore. I've, um, I've heard it was uh, when you started getting asked to, to get up at 5am to do them, that was... Do the... you know what? I was never that good, so <laughs> I was lucky. I was just, I never got level to metro level, so I was enough to do it. I didn't yeah. have to do that. It was more when I started running, when you start going 100 mile a week, it's then to go and do a swim again on top of that, it's, it's hard work. So it was more, I, uh, towards the end, I was starting to feel like it was taking away from my running, yeah. rather than actually helping it, and that's yeah. where I was like, Came. But you say it gave you a great foundation. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that was up until what? How old were you then? When you sort of you had to give that up, really? I'd say mid twenties. I mean, I was right, swimming yeah, yeah. until late twenties. Really? I, yeah. When about, I got, yeah. Yeah. When I got injured. Late twenties. Two thousand sixteen. I got injured, and to kind of help because I knew it was a long term injury. The process. I was like, I'm gonna set myself some goals in the pool. I wanted to break a minute for hundred meters, and I wanted to break twenty minutes for fifteen hundred meters. And I, I did. The, I did the fifteen hundred meters. But I, I was just just shy. I was one of three, I think, hundred meters. So it helped as well when I'm injured. And for me, I'd rather go in the pool than on a bike, and um, that's just what I enjoy more. Mm, really interesting. <laughs> um, I've got more quite but go on, Matthew. No, I was going to say obviously back to back. Um, Liverpool Harriers, yeah. we, we obviously we're obviously to begin with, yeah. and then obviously onto onto Liverpool yeah. and. Um, under uh, Dave Evans, yep. who's a coach. Uh, funnily enough, I was chatting with Dave yesterday. He sends yeah. his uh, passes on his, his regards uh, to you and Sophie. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there was a great era um, of yourself, um, the likes of uh, Gundo, uh, Harry yeah, Harper, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. all the lads there. I know I remember joining you for a couple of sessions actually yeah. out on the, the sand dunes yeah, and yeah, uh, in the woods at Formby and things like that. Um, you know, sort of, you know, tell us about sort of those years that, that sort of train that development through in, the, in your teenage years and things that and obviously you know the likes of, of, of Dave there coaching you and, and yeah. stuff like that so I mean I started off at Wirral um, but there was no like junior league team so you'd go from doing Young Athletes League to Northwest Division 4 with the senior men and the, uh, you know it just didn't feel like the right step in my career so I moved to Little Paris so I could do Junior League and then obviously British League and also you know all those names you mentioned there but even slightly before that era like John Mannion Stuart Moreland and those sort of lads and it was just like great growing up with them, you know, we had a great laugh, you know, as you say, those formative sessions, but also I look at people like John McCall and Richie Burney, you know, people that I looked up to when I was younger and I think one of the things that really affected the Liverpool running scene for me was when John McCall moved away, very selfish, I don't like, but he was the guy who got everyone together, we'd meet, you know, remember Saturday Club, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff um, and it was a big loss, I think, when John moved away, Richie's obviously got family and stuff now, he's got seven or eight kids I think yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, you know but like these, these are the guys that I looked up to Richie and John you know they were showing me roots around Liverpool and stuff like that by this time you know I was starting to stay with Sophie more and things like that so we had a great group of guys and then the, the youngsters coming through under Ernie Gallagher you know your Gundos your Harry Harpers your James Russells these were all top lads and it's, it's sad that they're not running as much anymore really as well um, because you always used to love, and I suppose you still yeah. still do the road relays, like yeah, the yeah, great yeah. the great sort of team yeah, uh, atmosphere. I mean, the road I mean, relays. Yeah, great there. team. But now, like, I mean, I mean, I'll stay, I'll stay local Harrier as long as they want me. But John Joke makes the A team now, so I mean, that, that shows the <laughs> standard. Know, and it, this, this, this is not their problem, but I go, I turn up to a local Harrier's relay team now. I'm like, I don't really know anyone anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know me now. Maybe I'll do one next year. Like, <laughs> It's sad though, because R- that generation just moved on. Richie, Richie's still there, he's in the fold, he, he sends his love, and he has a happy memory, a happy Johnny memory, he calls it. The <laughs> team gold with the Harriers, um, national cross country under 20s. Yes. You, you recall that? Yeah, we also won the national cross as well, yeah, well, with the following year, that, that same cross country season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. As I say, I think the national cross... And, and Richie was, says, when are you going to... Uh, man up, uh, get rid of those five millimeter spikes, swap them for 15s, and get back on the cross country circuit. <laughs> the sad thing is, my five mil spikes have gone these days as well. But do you know what? I love cross and I'd love to do more of it, but I just get injured unfortunately now. So it's, is that what it is? I'll do it like when I finish my from running, yeah, I'll come and do some LDs and things like that. That's what I'd hope because that's what I enjoy. Um, well, I hope not. I, I, I enjoy it by that point. <laughs> <laughs> Richie would still have me on the Northern Cross around uh, 
Peter Parker somewhere like that. Right, sure the, the that guy's a legend, sure. isn't he? He's on the, on the, on the, cru- on the cross country. Oh, I'm uh, unbelievable. Um, I can't keep up with I think him. They, there, was a, there was a figure the other year of the national cross country, and it was everyone that had done it. It was from 20 years ago. It was from 2000 to 2000, yeah. 2019, I think it was. It was yeah. 19 years. And uh, it was all the guys that had done it back in 2000, all the guys that had done it in yeah. 2019. And there was, there was only a couple of them. And everyone had gone downhill pretty much, aged up, and, and you know, just getting slower and slower. And the only one who'd run faster and was further up the field was Richard Burney. Mm. He's the only guy I know that could run 10k cross quicker than he could run 10k on the road. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but yeah, he's, he's been great for Liverpool Harris over the years. And now the crazy thing is, is Bobby's running. Yeah, know, I see. And, and, and Bernie, Richard's a coach there he's now. Coaching he's coaching there. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure, sure that will bring a, a great crop yeah, up. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll be using a lot of Amy Gallagher's methods and, you know, and tap into that sort of thing as well. So look forward to seeing all those guys come through. Maybe I'll be doing road relays with them. <laughs> I'm in my 40s. Yeah, the old man in the yeah. group there. <laughs> now, can you please detail um, the different um, experiences of part of your athletics across and the coaching across the the Wirral AC, mm-hmm. and then moving on to Liverpool, if you can look at the the, the, uh, the coaches there along the way prior to, to Steve Vernon, prior, yeah. we're going back, uh, and, and if you can maybe pick out some of the different sort of ways in which coaches operated and, and the experiences generally at those clubs. Yeah, I mean, thinking back to my early days at Wirral, I hope he doesn't listen to this, I'm sure he won't, but the coach out there, I won't name names, but he was, do you know what, he was a school teacher by my trade and he treated us like school kids and it, it wasn't enjoyable uh, moved over to the Harris with Lal Dobie and he was primarily an 850-900 minute coach and he, you know he got he got me running much quicker than I ever ran before you know we'd be doing things like 8-300s fast um, you know doing crazy things actually and thinking about now even, even shorter than that 3 by 300 is like 10-15 minute recovery um, but I wanted to move up. I wanted. To, I saw myself as a five k runner, I guess, at that time. And the natural progression was Dave Evans's group. Uh, people like Phil McGlory were in there at the time. Simon Mills, Jimmy Boardman, and then obviously had the guys like John McCall and Richard Burney who'd be jumping in and out of it. So that was my natural progression, and it turned out to be a fantastic move to train with Dave, who you know was like a father figure to me, and had many you know many a great memory with Dave. And I wouldn't be sat here talking to you guys if it wasn't for Dave today. So. Oh, yeah. You know, Dave's a top guy. We all know Dave around the table. You know, a great coach. Um, and as I say, part of it was when, I think when John McCall left and then the, the running scene, perhaps Liverpool, wasn't quite as strong as it used to be. And I felt like I reckon, you know, I needed to make a change um, and move on. And that's obviously when I moved to Steve. But, you know, in terms of influences in my career, Dave Evans is the big one. Um, and then obviously Steve, you know, onto Steve. So... It's been good. It's been really good. I've been really lucky to I mean, be surrounded by good people. Yeah. I mean, the, the argument, I imagine, Dave, and, and uh, you, you, at that time, it was 2014, I think, the transition, yeah, yeah. Um, that you had this illness in Kenya, I yeah, believe, yeah. which was um, about the same time as well, was it? Yeah, so I think I moved over to Steve just before that and then went out to Kenya sort of almost a year on from that was. And then, yeah, this mystery was, illness. Yeah, 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 mystery illness. They poisoned yeah. you, did they? Must be Ken, Kenya water. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, and you kept you had ten weeks of steroids, the bone density yeah, weakened yeah. and whatnot. But you came, managed to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you overcame this. It's still a mystery illness. Still a mystery. So, so we don't. I, know. Can't, I still can't pronounce it to this day. It's ITP. That's what for short. Um, so basically, that means they don't know what it is or what caused it. Um, but it was a shame because at the time I would just run the World Championships and ran the Commonwealth Games. So things were kind of going really well for me. Um, and it wasn't necessarily even the illness, it was the injuries that followed because of the bone density loss and the muscle wastage that then caused stress fractures, which I'd never suffered with in my career up to that point. And that's what really, I think, put me back and almost cost me you know, a couple of years, I guess, coming back from the injuries. So it, it was a tough period, um, but like everyone, I'm glad I stuck at it. And you came back and you, you've you got these results, which more recently, these are the best performances of your career, the, yeah. the highlights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I imagine Evans, Dave Evans would say, well, they would have happened anyway. Maybe, I don't know if he'd say, I don't, don't know what he would say, but I'm, I'm putting words in his mouth. But he, he, he could well argue that those successes would have, you know, the, the continuation, it was coming anyway, you know. Um, although you made the change uh, and, and you've had the successes, which is the main thing. Um, yeah, question? Not, not, really, not really a question, <laughs> but a, a thought, a thought, um, yeah, a thought. Um, but it's all part of the experience, all part of the journey, isn't it? You know, yeah. and you know, training under these great coaches, but also now training with some world class athletes as well, which you know is 
a fantastic opportunity and great to be part of. And that yeah. really does move you on. 100%, yeah. When you know, you're working with people yeah. who are faster than you. Yeah, you've got to raise your game to train with them, you know. And so I suppose, I suppose and some of, in, in that time, some of those experiences of the marathons, obviously, um, sort of 216 and things like that in London and stuff, and then obviously you had that, that breakthrough um, in Berlin. with the Berlin, that's, in, that's interesting because he, he's really improved there, Berlin. He's yeah. gone like four minutes faster, hasn't yeah. he? And I, was, I, was I mean, say, what, what's happening there? there was a lot, was that's, a, that's a huge nutritional, improvement. Yeah. Nutritional side. Uh, it is a nutritional Really, yeah. Yeah, I was very naive. What, what, like, what kind of stuff? Um, well, go, sorry, go on, naive, go on. Like for my first marathon, Frankfurt, I just thought oh, it's just a half marathon, a bit Be, further, you know. Being John Toast. Yeah, and I didn't give it the respect it deserved, um, but I learned a lot, and that's what you should, you know always learn from your failures. So I learned a lot when I ran Frankfurt in two thousand fifteen, and then from there I did London and. But what did you change in the diet? It wasn't necessarily the diet; it was actually fueling on race day. So in uh, Frankfurt, I think I was on electrolytes. In London, I was on Gatorade. I mean, I don't know what I was. I'd been training in America before and I'd use Gatorade in training and it seems to work okay. That's dodgy but, stuff, isn't it? I don't know. No, I mean, Gatorade, it's not going to... It's just like Lucas said, yeah. It's not going to... It tastes good, but... That's but it didn't work for you. It didn't mean, work for yeah. me. I ended up in hospital with dehydration because I didn't take enough on in the race as well. So mm-hmm. like, the next day I'm in hospital on a drip. So again, learning I, experience. I was speaking to Professor um, Blanhassen. She'd right. like, like to be you know, mentioned at, at Edge Hill there. And right. she said to me, all you need, John Joe is a natural sort of 100% fruit juice, yeah. 50-50 with water um, and a bit of salt. Yeah. And you're on race day, just sip that <laughs> and you'll beat Johnny Meller. I see. What I think you need to do that is, is OTE. OTE? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's this? Sorry, what's this? <laughs> so this is how much research John, uh, John Joe does for an interview. Uh, so this is the um, nutrition sponsor. That sponsors uh, Johnny and the New Balance, yeah. the New Balance team. All oh, right, okay, yeah, so, know. Uh, see that bottle through Skype that we can see there. Oh yeah, on the um, video, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, um, so yeah, so obviously getting that nutrition right, obviously yeah. bringing on sort of OT and, yeah, and working yeah, yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah. Obviously the last couple of years again yeah. from that two twelve, and then obviously now onto your, your two ten sort of thing. Yeah. How how big a part is is getting that race day nutrition right? Do you think is in those performances? For marathon, for me, it's so important because if you're if you don't take enough on or you don't feel well enough before the marathon, you're going to fall apart. You know, I, I so, when I ran 2.12, I was on for faster, but blew up in the last 10K, you know, the mm, wheels come off. Mm. And, you know, I get the refueling right, I get enough on, that's the key for me. Um, you're, allowed, you're allowed 16, is it 16 bottles en route? It depends on the race. London, you're allowed 16, but most major city marathons is eight. Um, the odd one, because earlier to show you likes more, like Berlin, you can get in between bottles, as they call them. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, you get in between in London because of the nature of the course, you could have more bottles if you wanted. But we thought stick to stick to what we know and stick to the plan, really. And eight bottles every 5k basically during the marathon is what I, I stick to. And, and you, you say electrolytes, this is basically it's what is you know, what is an electrolyte? Yeah, yeah. like you said, what? it was a salt, you know. And is, think, is that what it is? Yeah, I think uh, Ron Hill was a pioneer of it when he was competing. Right. It's you know, salt, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, it's to replace the salts, obviously, when you sweat and stuff like that. But now I'm taking more carbohydrates on board rather than the electrolytes, which do have electrolytes. It's all in. within it's a carbs. fluid which you're yeah. picking up yeah. during the race. Yeah, OT super carbs. Before the race, you're still having your polys there, aren't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it's is it a proper sort of porridge you know or, or you know or so is it a ready break sort of easier yeah. digest so for races i take um literally porridge pots with me and i'll take porridge pot with me to have on race morning because it's not always accessible in hotel porridge and things like that porridge, so yeah. i literally porridge pot add water so it's probably not the best porridge you can get either it's, yeah you know, just before or how far before the race i'll have that about three hours before oh, three hours yeah, yeah. Mm. No more of those uh, full Englishes, John Joe. Been telling telling you that not the way to do it. It's trial and error. Trial and error. I'll I'll take the sausage off next. Don't say that. Charlie Spedd. Two rashes. Disagree, I suppose. Charlie Spedd. Totally different. Uh, He's his new book. His new book. I love his old one. It's fantastic. About his his story, but this one's more about diet, and he's got he's very pro meat, isn't he? Sort of yeah, dairy and high fat, high protein. Okay. No not, carbs. Not necessarily no for athletes. Yeah. But not necessarily yeah. for athletes, yeah. more for just, you know. Yeah, yeah. His first book is brilliant. I really enjoyed that. It's one of my favourite running books, to be fair. I wish I had a copy for you. You know, I could I could send it you in the post. Stop <laughs> feeding us lies. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. That's what it's called. Um, Matthew, have you got any more? I've got loads of questions there, you know. Yeah, I've actually got. Uh, sorry, go on. 
I was going to just ask a bit more. I was going to you know plug a little bit of OTE while we're Sorry, while we're while we're on the nutrition side yeah, of things and let, let Johnny give a little uh, plug to the sponsor and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, do you know what a great um, company? I, I really they look after us. We've been doing testing and lab and things like that. So it's uh, they've got good range. Over know. the top is that what it stands for? Over the top. OTT um, OTE sorry OTE <laughs> yeah OTE yeah. based up in Leeds way and uh, yeah it's all natural ingredients the products are really good proteins and what have you so yeah it's uh, a good nutrition partner to be you know partnered up with yeah. I mean, I remember meeting the guys um, when you brought them to, to run yeah. Northwest when yeah. we were we were both there. Yeah. Um, I suppose I should just mention Made to Run just because we've mentioned two other stores. Stop, stop and, you know, uh, run, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Just uh, just throw that one in there since I mentioned everyone else. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they obviously nutrition wise. Yeah. Um, no, they're, you know, they're really good. Really good obviously a local bit of you know UK based yeah. as well. So uh, you know, yeah. Mm, yeah. What was you? What was it like being brought up on the on the Wirral Peninsula? <laughs> How did you? Fit? Sorry, am I not allowed to uh, go off for tangents? What was it like? What was it like? Being brought up on the Wirral, you, you know, the hospital uh, was it? Uh, you're born Arrow Park. Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas across country, yeah, you, you you could see that as as you were being born, you could see the, the and that's that was your destiny. Well, so that was where yeah, that was, I did a lot of my training on Arrow Park as a kid. But you know, growing up in the Wirral was great. Wall to wall sunshine for anyone who knows the area. Um, New Brighton, you got the the beaches, you got yeah, everything there. Yeah, like my swimming club was in West Kirby, uh, Hoylake. Uh, played football, so over the the world and things like that. So yeah, it's a great place. Uh, anyone who's from the world knows, you know, they're very very proud of it. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm no different from that yeah, nice to yeah. The world's great, and I, I love Liverpool as a city as well. Well, you support Liverpool. You're a, yeah. you're a big fan, yeah. and you get that from your father. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, interesting. Mm. Okay, well, I suppose. Not going back to nutrition, but on a, a recovery side from yeah. the, the marathon, obviously mm-hmm. there's plenty of people recovered differently from marathons, a couple of weeks out, things like that. How you know, how do you go about recovering, you know, what's your recovery sort of strategy? So I think it's gotta be individual. Um some people can turn around very quickly and get back racing and running a lot quicker than others, which you know, if that works for you, that's great. Um for me, I tend to take a week where I run when I feel like it. And when I'm say run, you know, I might go for a three, four mile run here and there. There's no pressure from speed. It's just kind of just run when you want to. If you don't want to run, um, don't run. It's simple as that. I remember, I think it was after New York in 2018. I was quite beat up and I, I just didn't really feel like running, so I didn't run. Um, then the second week, I maybe get back into running, not daily, but certainly every other day by that point. And then from there, we kind of start adding strides in and going from it. But I think the less you can do and you recover, the better. You know, if you take yourself off to a nice beach somewhere, somewhere like that and do nothing, you're going to recover a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, it's it's individual. Everyone's different. Um, but for me, someone once told me, you know, it's a mile a day recovery. So if you do a half marathon, you know, it's close to two weeks, and likewise in the marathon, I think it's quite close. I think it's uh, quite a good thing to say, you know, a mile a day. You know, respect the recovery afterwards. You know, set you up for racing. You know, down the line as well that way. Yeah, and then the other one that I wanted just to touch on before I know John Joe goes off on a, a tangent with uh, guest uh, questions that have come in from our listeners, uh, but. Obviously, in part of you, you mentioned before altitude training. Yes. You got stints out there before London. Obviously, before uh, Seville, you went. You were out in Albuquerque as well. Yeah. Um, you know what's the sort of the experience of those different camps? We talked about Kenya as well in yeah. there. Um, the different camps going out there and the, the benefits you feel of, of getting out at altitude yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not obviously. It's obviously the environment is perfect for training. You know, the recovery. You know, you you literally there to train with no distractions, which is the first and foremost is great. Um, but I think the benefits you get from training at altitude, you know, just look up to look at the canyons and stuff where they train and live. You know, it's it's kind of scientifically proven altitude helps your, your performances. You know, when you come back down to sea level to run well. Um, and I've really, I've run well off Albuquerque and St Moritz. You know, they're my two favorite training venues to go and train. Uh, St Moritz in the summer, and then you can get to Albuquerque certainly in the winter months as well. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's everything. You know, you feel good weather and stuff. It's certainly when you know, back here in January, February, and the weather's normally terrible. You've got snow and ice. It's definitely good to get away then as well. I do apologise for being so ignorant. Where exactly as Samaritz and Albuquerque exactly? Can you? So have you watched Breaking Bad? No, I'm not going to no. tell you. Oh, you're not going to tell you, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Albuquerque is in New Mexico, in New America. Me- New Mexico. Yeah, so in the Midwest. The, the state, New Mexico. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Where, where obviously where Breaking Bad is filmed, and then Samaritz is a uh, Swiss Alpine resort. Swiss, yeah, I've been yeah. to Switzerland. Yeah, so yeah, it's very yeah. expensive, but it's uh, 
it's a great when you when you go. Would that be comparable to Kenya then, uh, in relation to the the I mean, altitude? Semarets is totally different to Kenya, but yeah, similar altitude. But you're still gaining the same. Yeah, the same. Kenya's high. And it's very very hot and extreme. It's very hilly when you're there running and stuff like that. And you you, you don't hear of these runners coming from Albuquerque, do you? You know. Um, probably used to do a lot of lead training there, Paul Radcliffe. Right, yeah, oh, she yeah, went yeah, there, yeah. yeah, but from the actual state, New Mexico. You, do, you hear of top runners coming from Not there. Not I know of. That's no, I, yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got, obviously got like to Boulder and Flagstaff, which kind of hot, hotbeds of... Now the the candy man. I'm calling it. He tuned out there because he didn't have a clue where you were on about. Well, I can. I'm going to listen to this. <laughs> the candy man uh, broke the world record. I'm calling him the candy man. He broke yeah. the world record. Yeah. Uh, half marathon. Half marathon, yeah. Uh, but on the same race, there was four apparently who went inside this time. Yeah. Discussing this with Matthew. Matthew was telling me that you know people, certain people are asking questions as regards to doping because it's happened. You know, in particular to Kenya. Um, I always like to be naive in a way, I suppose, just as I like to believe in the performances. But, yeah. you know, I, I suppose what's. Yeah, what about what's, Johnny? What do you think, sir? Well, you're you're right. in there with the mix with these elites, <laughs> and, and what's your thoughts you really on that? <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know, innocent and so unproven guilty. But for me, it's don't put limits on yourself, you know, because, like you say, if, if, if you're, you know, if you doubt every single performance and think, no, I'm cheating, cheating, cheating. Then what you're, all, you're already beaten, aren't you? Because yeah, you, exactly. you're going up against these yeah, guys. Exactly. And, so um, don't put limits on yourself. You know, news that has kind of inspiration said, wow, the bar's been raised again. I mean, that one today is mind boggling, but <laughs> that, such is performances now. You know, Valencia, I paced there last year. The weather, like Seville, the weather's perfect. You know, it's a really fast course, so I'm not surprised they've run that quick. What was the previous world record then? You know, does anyone know that? 58. Was it so that no one has ever gone under 58, no, and so the four people I have done it in the same race? Yeah, you know, 30 seconds off it, didn't they? Something like that. Do you know what I think it is? I think this year, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. There's been a lot, quite a lot of world records mm-hmm. this year, and yet this is the year with the lockdowns and everything. And I think you know, it's enforced rest. Yeah, this is what my idea enforced rest because they wouldn't have rested otherwise and then the, the fact there's no races has allowed them to just recover so much that then when they've gone into these races they've had a bit more and this is what's happened now yeah I mean I think like looking at the Valencia field today you know it's so deep the start line so the races aren't as diluted so you get more quality together yeah. in the do race mm-hmm. people probably spend a lot more time doing base work you know the hills the longer stuff because they're not racing as much and you know doing all the speed work for the races so I think there's probably a number of reasons why it's gone so quickly and more year, as you say more focused on in just this one race yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. like a number of them yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and this is where maybe the success has happened possibly yeah, yeah mm-hmm. interesting so. yeah. Mm-hmm. and I suppose there's, a, there's a, another angle to that one which I wanted to discuss as well is the obviously the, the big shoe debate yes, that's yeah, been the, the oh, debate for yeah, the last year or so yeah. um, obviously New Balance have their versions out yeah. um, I think you ran you ran in Seville uh, in the, the TC so I ran Seville in actual yeah, the RC. Yeah. It was. Oh, it was the RC, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and London, I presume you're in the RC again yeah. for that one, yeah? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, that that's changed a bit of the racing world. What are your thoughts on that? I, I like to think that I think as a runner, you've got to go out and do the training, the yeah. shoes on. Yeah, I think they might be benefiting, at least from a, especially from a mental side, yeah. they're giving you that belief a little bit, but you've got to still put in the work and the training on that side of yeah. things. And I mean, if it's a placebo, if you're standing on the start line and the shoes that you think are going to make you run faster, then I'm great. They're obviously making a difference, you know, you'd be a fool not to say they're not. Um, how much, I don't know, because as I say, you've got to put the training in. You mm. can't just turn up in a pair of shoes and expect to run a PV, you know, it's you still got to put the hard work in. Um, I'm not trying any others, genuinely, so I really couldn't compare them in advance. But yeah. I like them, they work for me. Um, TC I've used more for training and then the RC for racing. Yeah. Um, but I try not to wear them too much either in training if I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah really interesting. I've got... Um, a question here from one of our listeners, none other than Alistair Rutherford, a yeah. fellow Liverpool Harrier. I'm going to read this question. Um, are there any challenges you face being part of a professional running team while still competing under amateur rules within the UK athletics? Do you think the governing body will develop further to support professionalism within UK-based competition? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, and I think it's something that people have debated for years. You know, one of the primary things is you know sponsorships and things like that you know when you do a race in the UK you're not allowed private sponsors on your vest and things like that you know because of rulings and you know you look at something like triathlon or cycling you know the plastered and logos so their earning potential is so much more because if I'm a company uh, and I'm going to sponsor a a runner but I can't get any airtime on the TV I'm going to think well what's the point so it's 
that's that is challenging. Um, you know, so I think amateur athletics is great in the UK. You know, we we really look in the UK. We have road relays and, and great club scene. Um, but equally, I think sometimes we need to embrace the professionalism a little bit more and give opportunity to um, I guess money to support themselves a bit more as well. Um, but yeah, we you know there's lots of positives to take I think from what we have. But equally, I think there's areas that they could improve. Yeah. Very good. I hope that answers your question, Alistair. The petition that was set up in your name, um, I, I just recall hearing about it. I know very little about it. I'm sure Matthew knows more about it. And, and Johnny, you can talk, tell us about this. Sounded to me like a north-south divide where the <laughs> southerners seem to, can't, you know, they don't care about us northern lads, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just did, don't even know much about the story, but I'd be interested in hearing about this petition and why, why it happened yeah. in the first place. Sure, so this was the, the Commonwealth Games, yeah. um, just to, to, I suppose, before Johnny lets us talks yeah. about it a little bit, but yeah, I thought yeah, yeah, yeah. the Commonwealth yeah. Games, you'd run the qualifying time, um, but weren't selected. Um, and I remember seeing the, the post about that and, and mm. quickly shared that around yeah, the stuff yeah. that um, as well. The petition, but what year was, was this? It, sorry, this was, um, it was 2018, wasn't it? Gold, 2018. Gold Coast, yeah. Okay. Um, so it was, it was. You'd run the time. You're in the form of your life. Yeah. Um, ready to, you know, should have been selected. They weren't sending anyone else from yeah. England. Yeah. Um, and they, they didn't select you. There was, a, and then there was obviously a call for from from sort of the north, really, yeah. to sort of say, you know, why is, is Johnny not going, and and he should be going, sort of thing. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, how did I one that was the support that came out for you? How did that sort of make you feel as an athlete, sort of give, knowing that the people were behind you there? But then obviously, you know, the the higher up sort of rulings that did you think? Did you think those rap bastards? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, feel, I feel really bad now. Forgive me. I forgot who set the petition up. Um, so sorry. Well, thank, we could yeah thank, thank the person who set yeah, that petition yeah, yeah. up. We'll, we must find it. But them. anyway, like I mean, uh, it's one of them. I was the only English guy that year to run the qualifying time. I ran inside the qualifying window. I think it was two fourteen flat. I ran two twelve fifty seven. You know, so you think okay, job done. We're, we're kind of in there, but obviously they have a certain amount of places that they can take and a certain amount of athletes that they can take. Um, and I wasn't picked and I wasn't picked because I wasn't a medal contender now I can understand not being picked but if we look back at the previous race, race results um, Mike Shelley obviously won the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow and things like that and we looked at previous medalists and things like that and time my time you know obviously it's hard to compare the conditions but my time would have potentially won a medal in a number of Commonwealth Games I think it was the last if I remember it was your time would have put you in a medal position in the last five Commonwealth yeah. Games prior to it so, and obviously the, the point for not selecting you was because you weren't a medal contender yeah so yeah. it felt a bit short-sighted I think at the time I was a bit I was really annoyed I guess because you know I was because that's kind of what you were training for to compete at the Commonwealth Games you know represent your country and I wasn't given the opportunity especially to go somewhere like you know the Gold Coast and do it um, so I wasn't selected and I made the decision and I committed and ran London Marathon instead and I wanted to run New York Marathon later in the year because I kind of figured I run for myself now I want to run, yeah. do the races that I want to choose my experiences um, so when I was then later selected for Carnival Games I think it was then February time I was like well I've already committed to run London Marathon now and I'm, you know, I've signed a contract and those guys have looked after me there and I'm running that um, had I been selected initially then obviously I would have gone and Commonwealth Games so and then we look at what happened in the Commonwealth Games obviously you don't know how I would have fared in the heat yeah. but it was it was a crazy day Robbie, you know Robbie Simpson fantastic runner he won a medal you know yeah. if you get it right in the heat anyone could have won a medal that day yeah, yeah. You know, and that's taken nothing away from Robbie it was a great run yeah, yeah, yeah. who yeah. are who are making these decisions who are making these <laughs> decisions I don't know <laughs> okay I mean they've obviously a, a panel and um, you know that yeah. select team so it varies for each one I try and stay away from that side of it if I can and just, just get my running okay. do the talking I guess yeah no. and a period of time went by where they'd made this decision that they weren't sending you and you, you'd obviously changed direction mm -hmm. focusing on this marathon yeah. and, and then they changed their mind due to the yeah. petition I don't think it was due to the petition I think it was probably other athletes had pulled out so when I say they had okay. X amount okay. of places yeah. other guys had probably pulled out which then meant the space is free so they then pick someone else. Um, right, yeah. You don't think the petition had any impact on the judgment? Do you know, I'd like to think it didn't, yeah. to be fair, because right. if everyone then could then appeal a decision to right, be okay. selecting the team, right? you know. Which, and my thought would be, you know, give the lad experience. He yeah. needs experience at the highest level yeah. to improve for the next competition. 100%, you know, when you're and, um, you are, you're the best, you've qualified, you know, it doesn't make any sense yeah. not to send you those... 
Yeah, it was uh, at the time. Blood, bloody southern as I. Come on, Johnny. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I had a lot of friends. Well. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you got it right eventually. And now we're hoping to see you at the Olympics. Yeah. In an Irish vest, in, maybe because you know, I, you know, would you not rather wear the shamrocks? No, no, I leave that. I leave that to my teammate Kieran McGee. Like, uh, do you know? No, I, I could, I could obviously that is Great Britain, but I could run for Scotland if I wanted. Could you run for Scotland? Yeah, I've got Scottish grandparents, but yeah, I'd say to hell, I'd say to hell with them and go and run for Scotland. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I was, I was born and raised in England. I'm an England boy. Well, okay, okay, I don't know. The Irish Sea is very close to the Wirral Peninsula, you know, it, it sort of surrounds you. Definitely go back, I don't think I've got Irish blood. I'm sure yeah, the, well, the Scottish-Irish connection, you know, I'm sure, you know. When we were talking about it uh, before the podcast, uh, John Joe was talking about how he, he thought all those names suggested that, uh, you know, the Wirral clearly, uh, you know, it's a, an Irish influence. Oh, yeah, uh, Paul O'Grady, he was, uh, de- he was brought up, Lily Savage was yeah. brought up by Irish parents. Tranmere, yeah, 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 around that I way. was thinking more than runners and, and, and the cyclists, oh. to be fair, and, and the, the sporting talent that it, <laughs> that it came from. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Matthew, have you got, you must have more questions for the champion. I haven't, to be fair. The I think British I'm, champion, I'm, Scottish champion to come. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm done. So I, I it's been a, 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 a fantastic, a fantastic experience. experience. We wish you the best of luck going into those trials next year. Hopefully, yeah. I'll, I'll be hiding on the back line, yeah, I'll be able to be alongside you. Yeah, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see. And, but, at, and at 34, at 34, you know, same. Oh, you know, you're inspiring me. And, and this yeah. this Spanish guy who's 39 yeah, yeah, breaking yeah. the Spanish record, 206. I'd hate to see how he gets out of bed tomorrow morning. It's, uh, I'm rough enough at 33. So, so how long can you see yourself doing this form? You know, could you see, you just don't know? Maybe, you no, know. I just don't know. I mean, I'll keep running for as long as I'm enjoying it. Um, what happens when you become, let's say, not as competitive? These, these are good questions. Now we've finished the show now, but uh, what ha- what happens when <laughs> perhaps so we are? Yeah, 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 yeah. What happens when you you feel perhaps you get to a point? It could be mid forties. I don't know. It could because that guy's thirty nine. If you get to that stage and you're still you, you're going even faster than you are now, you're going to still want to do it, aren't you? Obviously. I think I'll run as long as one I'm enjoying it and two my body, you know, yeah. takes it. I've I've been. Will you still you know, enjoy? I read, uh, thanks to Alistair actually, and you've read the book, Bill Rogers, uh, and Matt, that was a great book. I really enjoyed that. Have you read that? Oh, oh, that's a beautiful that. book. Read, I really recommend the Bill yeah. Rogers, what do you call it? Marathon, Marathon Man. Man. Yeah. You'll enjoy that. It's a beautiful read. And um, the story uh, really excites me, you know. And um, so let's say you get to a point where you're no longer competitive. Yeah. Now, Andy Burn, you know this Andy, what's his name? The Andy Burfoot. Ambi Burfoot. Ambi, Ambi, have you heard of Ambi Burfoot? He was like sort of associated with... He won, he won Boston. He won Boston before yeah. before the boom. Yeah. And um, he was saying in his sort of mini sort of, he's written about, he's yeah. written lots of articles, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, that he, he enjoyed running more so when he wasn't as competitive. He was right at the back of the pack. Yeah. Do you see yourself, uh, can you imagine? I mean, maybe. I said, the way I see it, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I like to go and do more like, you know, the L&D cross country racing stuff mm-hmm. like Saturday afternoon, you know, just as it's going dark, I hope I'm a bit quicker than that, but, <laughs> you know, like, they're the races that I really enjoy and a big part of my development growing up. They're the ones I like to go back and do, I think, mm-hmm. rather than like put my body through and run a marathon build up and things like that. As much as I love doing marathons now, it takes a toll on your body, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I, one of my good friends, Andy Davies, is aiming to run 100 marathons inside three hours. I don't think I'll do that. But, no, no, no. You know, I enjoy where I live now, around the Peak District. I enjoy getting out to the hills and running the, in the fells and things like that as well. So yeah. Andy upset me last year. Andy. Andy did yeah, upset me last what year. Did he, what, how did he upset you? It was a 10-miler. It was a northern 10-mile champs. Yeah. And, and they, they posted the, the, uh, the list of entries and a write-up. And I was one of the favourites, along with a couple others. But Andy wasn't in the race, you see. He, mm-hmm. he, he t- turned up on the day and, and entered it. And... Uh, yeah. I didn't know he was there, you see, so I went for my tactics of off quick and, and hopefully oh, get away from the field. And big mistake. Yeah, he, uh, he burnt me up there over, over that last, that the last lap. So. Slow and steady wins the race, that's, that's <laughs> my motto. And I mean, Andy, he's 41 now, Andy Davies, you know, and last year, well, this, I guess this weekend last year, I paced him in Valencia and he ran 2.14 British Bet 40 record. Right, yeah. It's incredible. At that age, you're yeah. still running fast in 5k, 10k. So yeah, 
Well, I mean, I don't know. Andy comes to sport quite late because he played football at a really high level. Really, yeah. What well, what age yeah. did he? Did he? Um... he well, yeah, you'd have to ask him. Maybe yeah. he's your next guest. But he's uh, perhaps if you, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah um, please, please. Um... But he was like mid twenties, I think, when he started taking running more seriously. But he made correction on that. But yeah, he's pass on his de- details, and we'll we'll yeah. have him on the show. Um, so yeah, the the thing about what, what we're talking about there, you know, because we stick to the subject. What are you smiling at? Matthew on the camera there, I can see you. Um, the 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 thing what I what I'm thinking about is I, I'm a very competitive person. You know, I came to this running malarkey very late as well, and 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 I think Matthew he like makes out that he's not. He definitely is. Obviously, Johnny, you, you're competitive, aren't you? Of course. But with the competitive nature of you know and, and wanting to win, it gets so serious. Don't you feel that? And at, when it gets to that point where it's so so serious, and it's got to be really. To some extent, I don't know how else you can you can approach it if you want to do have that kind of success that you've had yeah. at your level. You know, it's it's is it as enjoyable than than perhaps or how do you enjoy it? It's very difficult. Maybe I don't know. Do you do you feel yourself enjoying the pressure of the situation running the London Marathon with all those eyes and all those you know media people? God. God love them, you know, and um, you know the pressure and the intensity, and it's got to be, it's got to be there, and yet the guy at the back who's just, you know, waving at the crowd, and is he, is he, you know, there's a huge contrast there, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, do you do you enjoy it? I think if you're a professional sportsman, you've got to enjoy pressure, you know. So I've got, you know, enjoy, you've, got to, yeah. you've got to see it as a privilege, pressure, you know. Um, yeah. So for me, I think I enjoy it. I think I look back on my career and enjoy those moments. I think in the race, yes, you've got the crowd, the support, mm-hmm. that's amazing, adrenaline, everything. Yeah. But in the day-to-day, that pressure also exists in the and nobody's around you to, to sort of, well, you've got your coach and you've got your teammates. Yeah. The pressure is still there and it's got to be there. You've got to keep keep that foot on. Um, I mean, going how, back do you, to, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? London Marathon, I was more nervous to do the press conference than I was to do the race. Right, yeah. Because I'd put the training in, I was prepared, yeah. I was confident, I could run well, you know. I, so I was actually more nervous about doing the press conference than I was the race. But yeah. you know, that's just me, you know. Chris Thompson obviously loves the press conference and things like that, you know. That's where he shines. Obviously, shines on the track as well. But still, for me, like that, that's not that's not me really. Um, so that when you talk about pressure. That's the pressure that I don't enjoy as much, but mm. I love getting out there and racing. But you're getting used to that more and more. I the more, the more, yeah, yeah, and, and just I think it's just being yourself, just be yourself. Yeah, yeah. And you're be, you're running household as well, so I mean, you you, you yeah. I suppose you you're always switched on to the, the running team with yeah, you, you, yourself think, and Sophie. So yeah, Sophie kind of keeps not grounded. I think it's probably the wrong word, but Sophie's obviously had a really rough few years with injuries now, and she's finally getting back to consistently running there thirty to thirty five mile a week. And she has done, you know, all the way through lockdown, which has been a blessing in disguise for her. Um, so, yeah, running is obviously a big part of our lives. Um, her family do a lot of running as I well. I believe your so wife is also a successful runner. Yeah. She is, yeah, no, so, 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 yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she, she, she were on about there, Chanjo. Say again? That's Sophie. That's who we're on about. I know, I know you're on about Sophie. I mean, <laughs> so you're talking about my wife or my girl. Oh, sorry, <laughs> um, no. Can you list her successes? Is she, I mean, she's not obviously at the same level as yourself. But she's also been successful. Oh, yeah, I mean, she's a very good club runner. Um, I don't mean that in any disrespect at all. Mm. You know, she ran 1704, but 1706 for 5k. Yeah. Uh, she ran 35 minutes for 10k, you know. So she's a very good runner, but she had a really sore knee. Eventually, a year later, had an operation on her knee. You know, from there, she tore her calf, tore her calf twice more because she just hadn't, it just hadn't healed properly. So it's been a tough four years for her, and I think it's been tough for her kind of almost watching me do as much running as I'm doing and then know that's all she wants to do go out and run as well and she can't so but you help each other through times like that anyway. I was going to say you've got that support I suppose yeah, and exactly. I know I suppose uh, from from my experience from one uh, relationship to it to a, another relationship yeah. I've got a lot more support this time around in my own yeah. my own running yeah. because she's a, a runner yeah. and, and I mean the frustrating thing with Sophie being back running now is She's not on the bike with me as much. Right. Uh, you know, that's, that's a shame. But uh, she's doing a lot of biking with me, especially during lockdown, you know, when we we're talking about training on her own, you know, that. So I had down on the bike, which obviously good training for her at the time as well. And, you know, she's really understanding, obviously, when I go away on training camps and stuff like that. You know, a lot of wives wouldn't be very happy. Off you go for four weeks, see you, see you later, you know. But I'm, I'm lucky there because she understands and gets running, you know. Yeah, really important. Really important. You've got that supportive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, happy it's wife, a, yeah. happy life. 
Yeah, that's, <laughs> I've heard about this this year. Very good. I believe it's true. Uh, coaching, you're also doing a lot of coaching yes. online with people. Yeah. Um, I was out with a, a lad this morning, uh, Dan Merrick, if you're listening. Uh, Dan shout Merrick. Shout out to you. He's yeah. obviously uh, yeah. just... Uh, yeah, you've been again. working with Dan Merrick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, do you know yeah. what? It's something I started doing back in 2013 now. Um, just kind of growing from there, really. And I enjoy helping other people, share and get that knowledge, I guess, and experience that I've been lucky to get over the years. And yeah, I mean, I'd say recreational runners, but I think that'd be disrespectful to some of them because, you know, we've got some really good club runners as well. Um, and it's 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 been really exciting to see, I guess, the business grow as well. And they are the lifeblood yeah. of the sport. Yeah, the, 100%. Uh, you know, it's been tough for the elites this year. But it's been really tough for you know guys that live and live and die for the running. They love every you know they're working forty hour weeks and then going out for the runs and even the desperate to race. You know, so it's been really tough for them as well. And they haven't had the luxury of a London marathon and things like that. So it's it's been a challenging year as an athlete and a coach. I found this year, you know, the change of plans and kind of keeping people ticking over without getting too fit too quick or you know risking injury that kind of side of it so it's been a good learning experience as a coach as well this year where do you see things getting back to normal you know are we, uh, <sighs> my vaccine's c- got to be good news right right yeah well <laughs> yeah I mean are you going to you going to take it I'll be happy once uh, Anfield's at full capacity and yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, some big conspiracy theorists are saying that this vaccine, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it, it can make you impotent and all sorts of things. I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe that, you know, but, you know, you do hear this negative vibe from a, from a, uh, not a small, actually quite a significant part of the population who, you know, but yeah, the vaccine's a great thing in terms of getting things back to normal. Yeah. And, um, can you give us a prediction, perhaps? Uh, my coach, Tony Clark, he's saying, he think, no, no. Has Tony got a load to sell? Or is Tony <laughs> selling it? Like, Vaccines? Yeah. No. He's going to his car, isn't he? <laughs> in the vending machines. May, <laughs> May. Um, oh, yeah, in the vending machines, could be. It, uh, I've heard this through the, you know, we're talking May, June, and you're going to see mass participation on the start lines mm-hmm. I think that that just sounds to me like a wise kind, not wise but that sounds like about right to me I think I mean I guess Maybe that's time with the weather getting a bit warmer people mm-hmm. being outside more in it so I mean sadly I'd like it before know, then but you know yeah we'd all like it some tomorrow wouldn't we if we could um, I, I mean I guess with the vaccine now it's got to be good news and I heard someone on the radio the other day and he was saying, you know, no matter what we put in our bodies, you know, people drink, they smoke and all that kind of stuff, you know, so you put all that into your body, so this vaccine would have been tested. It'll only, ma- it'll only make you impotent. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> if, that, if that means you can get back racing. Yeah. Like, oh. Disclaimer. Hell yeah. I don't know that's true whatsoever. No, no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I said. John Joe making stuff up. Yeah. Conspiracy theories by John Joe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So we're looking forward to all having vaccines and uh, we get the races back on again. Yeah. yeah. I'm watching yeah. Johnny in, in the trials in, in March and then hopefully um, in uh, July, isn't it? End of July, in the August, August um, yeah, yeah. for the, the, the Olympic uh, marathon in, well, it's not in Tokyo, is it? It's, uh, it's Sapporo. Sapporo, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I've been training all my life for, you know. So if we can get there, great. If we don't. I've given it my best shot. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got no regrets. You give it your best shot. And um, we're rooting for you, Johnny. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for um, you know coming online and, and letting us in no, interview pleasure. Johnny and speak to you today. Yeah, no, that's yeah. been great. Thank you very much. From Have two men on. on the run. Three men on the run. Three men. Three men <laughs> on the run. Chasing after Johnny Meller. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>